T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Or do I need to... Um, Desta will be recording for me. Okay, you got it, Desta? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can actually record, too, if you want me to let me. Then I don't have to... I, I can, can grab Grant. The... I can grab the oh, audio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... Give oh, me... I can't. Yeah, I don't have permission either. Uh, Walter, give me permission to go to the participants and then let Dustin and I have permission to record. All right, hold on. Go to our name and then uh, more or? Yeah, more and then allow participants. Okay. Make host. No, no, just uh, go to our name and then beside the name, it'll have more. And yeah, then it'll say allow, allow to record on on personal device or something. Hold on, let me look at the first. I've got stop video chat pin, spotlight for everyone, make host, rename, allow to multi-pin, put in waiting room and remove. So that's not good. Wait a minute, hold on. Maybe in the... um. Because yeah, usually it's in the participants beside the name. It just says more. Yeah. Beside the name, it, click, click on the name, it should say more. But it might be, um, they've changed so many things and put it in settings. It might be in the original settings, which you can't change once we're in a meeting. As long as you send the recording to me yeah. and Grant, oh, yeah. or I can pull it apart and give it to Grant if you send it to me. Either way. I, I just need the audio. Yeah, I need the video. <laughs> okay, well, I'll send the video and i'll cut the audio and send it over to you as well so you zoom should zoom should cut it both so you'll have two separate files oh yes that's right okay they do yeah so it's a full screen on there i'm gonna take my camera off too here we go how is everybody this afternoon in my time it's this afternoon it's early morning in australia where paul and cyan are paul hamden and uh, Grant, it's good to have you join us here. As, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. As the co-host of this, sorry there. And Dustin Barnaby is apparently listening in uh, to uh, criticize us in the chat room, <laughs> probably. So <laughs> I'm in the background. <laughs> She's in the background. Okay. Uh, Paul, let me uh, pop up uh, my cheat sheet on you here. Hold on just a second. There we go. Uh, 
a little bit of background for you. The um, You've written a book recently called The Zeta Mind. You've been an author along with William Turniette, who Grant uh, has had an interview with, I think, within the last year in, in 2021. I'm saying uh, that one, yeah. Yeah, you've also uh, been the author of several PDFs, many of them free. A primer of the Zeta race is one okay. in particular that is um, available for free. I have yeah, your paper. I have your paper. Yes, I sorry right there. I have your paperback alien interaction trilogy, which is dog-eared from going over. You have a YouTube channel called the Zeta Connection with Paul Hamden and Cyan. You have a blog called the Zeta Connection blog, uh, which you put up posts on occasion there. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to warn all of our listeners today that uh, this is far far from light reading. Uh, it's difficult, it's comprehensive work, it's jam-packed with new ideas, it's uh, refreshing uh, views of old concepts. It's, uh, uh, it, I've, I've probably spent a hundred or better hours going over and over some of this work. I've converted it to audio and listened to it on my headphones when I'm out doing whatever I'm doing. And there's always something new to learn and something exciting to learn from all of the, the uh, various places that uh, Paul and Cyan produce material. So thank you for that. And there's a little plug for you. Uh, if I could, one of the things that, that caught my eye was the fact that, uh, Paul, you, you claim that your background is Druze, D-R-U-Z-E. Is that correct? And if That's so, correct. tell us a little bit about what that means. Uh, my understanding is uh, from speaking to my father in his later years that uh, the generational line was based in the Druze religion. That, that's all I really know. I don't know much more than that. Are you familiar with their connection to the Middle East, Turkey, and, and the nationalities yeah. in those areas? Yeah. Do you uh, relate to any of those particular nationalities, the Israelis, the Palestinians, the, the Turkish, oh, the Greeks? Oh, we're, we're Lebanese. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty close right there. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's also a, a, a point in one of the books or one of your interviews, Paul, you were talking about channeling and the fact that you don't consider yourself a channel. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us how the, the Zetas speak with and through you, why you would say that you're not a classic channeler anyway. No. And uh, a little talk on that would be helpful. Yeah. So basically, with um, <clears throat> when we talk about consciousness, there's multiple ways for, for beings to speak to us, you know. Um, sometimes when people are channeling, um, their words are given to them and then they just speak the words for the, for the beings or the entities. That would be, to me, classed as a sort of a classic channeling process. Um, the Zetas don't specifically use that. They use a timed method of contact. So we have to sit with a clock and the clock provides a measurement so that they can understand how to bring the information through. They're operating at a different vibration than we are. 
And I can explain more about that later on in regards to craft and how craft is seen in the atmosphere. Uh, because of the compression that uh, they have to use to place information into the, our environment, um, the information has to be decompressed once it's here. So that when they first started speaking, <clears throat> all of the sentences were backwards um, and I would be speaking all of the sentences backwards, which was a, a problem for them. They worked out how to turn the sentences around the right way. Uh, also, with the development process that I went through, every time they came, I was actually physically burnt. I would um, have a, like a sunburn on one side of my face after each of the sittings, and it was as though I'd had some sort of um, radiation therapy or something because uh, I was fairly unwell and had the sweats and all the rest of it for a couple of days. Uh, after every single sitting, <clears throat> I would uh, always think that I'll never do that again. Uh, but I had agreed with them that I would work with them. And so um, they said that it was going to be a difficult um, training process. And what I've noticed is, uh, you know, many years later, now that they come, there's no residual effect. They're able to affect the room. So they're able to create probably a, a synthetic quantum environment in the room and give the people that are in the room with me an experience such as seeing a Zeta walk across the room or something like that, or give healing if they need to. So when I say it's not the channeling, it, I understand what people you know understand as channeling, but the Zetas have taken it a couple of steps further in regards to that. The, the idea of a synthetic quantum environment, now this has come up in conversation other than with, with you. Yeah. Uh, people may have some memory of a fellow by the name of Andy Balciago. Yeah. And uh, Andy related what at the time was considered an outlandish story mm. uh, about entering a, a quantum environment in a building in California, coming off an elevator. And uh, he was being accompanied by a gentleman by the name of uh, Courtney Hunt. Americans will know Courtney Hunt by his brother, E. Howard Hunt of the Watergate infamy. CIA both. The synthetic quantum environment uh, that Mr. Basiago entered included several celebrities and, and our former uh, president, uh, uh, Barack Obama. Now, the interesting thing is that they were unable to tell the difference between a synthetic quantum environment, SQE, and uh, physical reality. Yeah, that is very, very true. Yeah, absolutely. They're designed that way. So what they do is um, the uh, extraterrestrials that create that technology, they take a copy, and, and a specific copy of the environment that is meant to be accessed and play, it's placed within the SQE. Uh, when people are moved into the SQE, they don't know the difference at all. Uh, have you been in an SQE? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Cyan's been in one. Uh, 
they often create them in the room. Um, we've got a couple of sitting rooms here, and, and when they create them, uh, the only way that a sitter would know that they're not in one um, would be as if they were told. So if you're sitting in one, suddenly the walls might fall away and you're no longer in the physical room anymore. And I know that sounds fantastical, you know, like, but unless you experience it, really there's no real way to describe these sorts of things. Another one is, and we were talking about this yesterday, was when they said to some of the people in the room, would you like to feel what it's like to touch a craft? The people put their hands out and uh, the room had been darkened, not completely black, but darkened. And they said they felt a gelatinous substance as they pushed their hand through for about 12 inches. They could feel the sponginess of, of um, you know, like the edge of a craft. So, you know, obviously craft, some craft are biological entities. Um, the Zetas, they don't abide by what people believe is correct reality or you know, what is supposed to be done and all these things. And this is why I think the phenomenon itself is very, very difficult to understand from a, a human perspective. Grant, the only two limitations that we have in conversation with, uh, with Paul and Cyan today is that there be uh, not a great deal of discussion about him personally. He's not interested in doing that. And that there's a certain Draco um, set of beings that are off the table for discussion. Uh, outside of that, what have you got to, to ask Paul about, Grant? Um, well, let, let's, I mean, I'm just going based upon what he's saying now. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the sunburn because, you know, that's reported quite a bit and it's seen as a very negative thing in terms of, um, you know, reports from people being injured. What, what is the explanation they give to you for the sunburn effect? The sunburn. Oh, the, sorry, the sunburn. Firstly, I just want to say hello, Grant. How are you? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, so basically, I, I just want to talk initially about their vibration. So yeah. they um, have alluded to us that their physical frequency is um, 10 times higher than ours. Okay. Now, when... We've had a craft land. They made sure that the craft, I'm not sure if you've heard about when the craft landed, but a craft landed in New South Wales and I had 20 people with me when it happened. Yeah, yeah okay. And um, we, the craft was about 50 metres away on purpose so that nobody was physically um, changed by, by the frequency of, of, of the craft. Uh, those beings were able to come out of that craft and walk around everybody and they put their hands on people's shoulders. Now, it was only just for a few seconds that they did that to each person because they didn't want to physically affect their cellular structure. The training that I underwent was when they came close to me, uh, my cellular structure would be as if it had been shifted or changed. And so I would, it would represent itself as being um, red and burnt. Um, have you, you've had um, a lot of, science mm -hmm. had a lot of encounters with the Zetas as well mm -hmm. and could suggest also that their frequency is very different. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when, um, when we're uh, sitting and I'm talking to the beings through Paul, um, 
if I sit too close, I will end up with a, you know, a reddened face like you've just been out in the sun slightly too long. Um, you can feel the, the physical heat coming off of, you know, the, from, from the area where he sat. Um, and you actually feel, you can actually feel the vibration in your own body. You know, um, say you've touched something electrical and you can feel the electrical buzz of an item. It's, it's like you've got an electrical buzz over every part of you if you, if you spend too long, too close. So we're not harmed in the training and, and we're not harmed uh, in the contact. So, you know, to me, it's just training. Uh, can can I ask about you're talking about the frequency? Um, so are are they coming into a, a physical manifestation, or where are they actually in terms of where they would normally be? I mean, are they in a different dimension, a vibration? Is it all vibration, or how do you explain that? Okay, so <clears throat> so the the zetas, I say, basically the greys are a species. They have uh, sixty three races. And they're physical beings. That's the first thing. They live in our three-dimensional space. And um, three-dimensional as in they live on planet, live on craft. Um, when they come, they have the capacity to come in many ways, just like uh, humans are able to astral travel if they want to leave their body and, and move around and be seen as uh, shadow people. Um, so the Zetas can uh, present themselves to a person uh, in, in the room as being um, a distortion in, in the room, or they can, depending on uh, the level of what's called electronic compression in the room, they're able to then draw to the molecular structure and create a more physical type entity. Now, that's just through consciousness. Yeah, that's just a consciousness process. The other one is that they actually just bring a physical craft land, get out, and they're physical, and they're walking around and doing what they want. Um, and also there's the mind-to-mind -mind contact. There's the contact in the astral via the dream states. So this is a multifaceted level of contact that a lot of races are having with the humans. The humans here. Can I ask Cyan about your role in this? Are you in most of the sessions or are you to tell me your role in all of this? <laughs> I'm in all of the sessions. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, we, we sit on a, on a daily basis for connection to them. Um, and I, I also um, sit myself for connection to them as well. Mm -hmm. um, my process is nowhere near as developed as Paul's is. Um, very early stages of, of contact. It's taken 15 years of training to, to get to where I am to be able to sustain their contact for six minutes. Wow. That's a good six minutes, though. Yeah. Wow. Well, why, <laughs> why, why, why you two? Are, are you, is this a pre-birth agreement or why you? Why, why are they coming through you? I think, Grant, that they probably would like to come through a lot of people, but it's just about a commitment to um, the development process. Uh, I, I committed to it many, many years ago uh, because they came, I, I told them to go away. So unlike a lot of people that sort of want extraterrestrial contact, I didn't want it at all. 
I was already seeing a lot of spirits because um, I'd had some NDEs and um, I, I just wanted to reject the whole thing. It, it was quite um, nerve-wracking for me. Uh, over a six-week period, they would be coming and talking to me while I was meditating. And I kept saying, look, go away. I'm not interested, you know, sort of thing. And they said, um, look, we'll make a deal with you. Uh, we'll teach you to come to us. That's the first thing. And if we ever do anything that you don't like or you can't specifically have, we will leave. And I said, well, I'll accept that. So they then started doing the process that they're doing with Cyan in regards to I had a 20-second contact that knocked me completely off, off kilter for weeks. It then continued on. And after two years... I think I'd got to uh, probably 20 minutes. I didn't look forward to that contact at all. Um, now, I, I would suggest that people all want contact. We, everybody, we all want contact. It's exciting. It's, you know, we want to see the craft. We want to meet the beings. We want disclosure. They do too. But the problem is, is that disclosure has to be on their terms. They can't, and we're talking about one specific race, although they want to come and they want to disclose, it's the frequency differences that are the problem. So if they start coming here and people are getting burnt, just by association, people are going to be going, well, they're aggressive in their nature because we're getting physically affected. And if people could understand that and probably spend more time in meditation and stillness and connection, there would be disclosure much sooner. Now, I understand that there's, you know, with all the UAP disclosure that's currently taking place and all of the discussion on social media, that there will be on some level, you know, disclosure for the human race, but from a human perspective. And after that, the next day, people will still be walking outside looking at the sky going, where are the extraterrestrials? And that's because we haven't prepared ourselves properly. There's too much talk, not enough stillness and not enough training. And that's when they'll come. One last question. I'll turn it back to Walter here. Um, and you mentioned the sort of the government disclosure thing. Have they told you or are you aware? Are they in contact with the government or are they going through individuals like you that are at that level where they can talk? Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, my, my, just my opinion, and I'm only going to give my opinion, yeah. is that uh, it's, it's all things. It's that they are contacting many, many people globally. But the difference is, is how the people are contacted. So they may contact somebody in the dream state, and the problem with that is that the information that that person's given could be also associated with their subconscious construct because the subconscious mind uses the matrices effect, then, of course, it's abstract thinking. And so a lot of the uh, contactees are getting their information mixed up with their dream state. So it's not a very effective way of communication. The other one, obviously, is the physical interaction, which is the mind-to-mind -mind process. So if they're physically in the vicinity of a, a person who's physical human, and they're doing a mind-to-mind -mind contact, that person also needs to be trained for that contact as well. 
So there are, just like um, humans, we probably have various methods for communication. The Zetas do as well, and they're working across this planet and many other planets as well uh, for contact. Paul, you mentioned in one of your books, many books, about screen memory technology. Yeah. Uh, the idea that, first of all, and I like the, the use of the term technology. The, the Zetas use this term quite often. Uh, yeah. In places that we don't think of things as technology, yeah. but they apparently do. Uh, it, it, but you mentioned there were four kinds. There was types A, B, C, and D, and roughly A is a total mind insertion. Yeah. B is a narrative that is something that occupies humans, say, during the process of being taken uh, by beings. Uh, type C is a temporary screen memory, something I assume that you keep for a bit like a dream and it kind of yeah. dissipates. And the fourth is, and this goes back to the synthetic quantum environment, the SQE. There's a, a, a type of SQE that moves you in a trance state to craft. That's now, correct. You, if you could talk a little bit about that, but one of the questions I come up with is, when is it that a person is physically moved, their physical body is moved, say, to craft, versus the etheric portion of their existence? Yeah. So I got two questions here. One, a little bit about those four types of technology, and can you differentiate when someone is physically taken, where this physical body goes, and when it's really their etheric body that goes, even though they may still have the uh, the memory of the the abduction. That's a massive question. It was so, supposed to be. Yeah, it's honestly that's like got an hour. I've got to compress this. Um, so screen memory technology is used to, okay, we need to get some basic context around our discussion. Your mind is a construct and it's uh, a construct of all of your belief systems and rule sets that you have. It's also the filtering mechanism for your higher self. If your higher self doesn't exist with the physical body, your class is being terminated. You don't have a physical existence anymore because your spirit or your soul has left you. That cyclical construct that you have when interacting with extraterrestrials requires to be managed. If it isn't managed, you will move into um, mental unwellness. A lot of people are seen to be mentally unwell after contact as well. So screen memories are placed into the uh, local mind construct to aid the local consciousness to understand its uh, contact. And it could be in the image of a, a clown or an owl or, or whatever is required for you to uh, safely navigate the process of contact for the race. Most people are contacted via the etheric state because the etheric state is a mirror image of the physical form. And the, because it is a mirror image, whatever they do to the etheric body 
then translates automatically back to the physical body. Physical contact is very, very limited because if they have to travel from wherever they are to, to here and then land, there's a few issues with that. One is, is that there's the potential for them to be actually harm themselves. And I don't mean by humans. I mean, just by the journey. They're also able to be harmed if there's an accident. Uh, and there was an accident um, when, I'm not sure if you know about Betty and Barney Hill and Betty's dress. There was an accident there. I can't speak about that too much. Um, and so when they physically come, then, of course, they have to manage your physical existence around them for that period of time that you are with them. Uh, because of the different states of vibration between them and uh, us, they would have to somehow place your physical structure into a different method of time compression. I'll explain this, that when people are taken or put on board craft, people will often go, you're only gone 30 minutes, but the person's come back and they've completely got a five o'clock shadow or some, their fingernails have grown. They've been gone for two days or three days or something. But within our time frame, they've only been gone a few hours. And that's to do with the different compression ratios. So um, hopefully I've explained in a very, very short narrative about the different levels of contact here. When you talk about compression, are you talking about compression in the same sense as like audio is compressed into a smaller file or video is compressed? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we can just imagine I walk outside and I see a craft in the sky and next thing, bang, it's gone, but it's 10 miles away. All they've done is moved in, compressed their uh, vibrational process within the craft. We're able to be seen in our vision, our process of vision. And then they, uncompress and then move. They actually are moving. They're not just popping from one place to another. They move, but because our time frame is so slow, when they move, it looks like that they're traveling super fast in our atmosphere, except for the fact that there's no sonic boom, hardly any weather disturbances. There's no birds killed in the act. You know, imagine birds flying around. At airports, they have a problem with birds so they have to make sure that the birds aren't around can you imagine craft running into birds that probably wouldn't happen so they need to navigate in our atmosphere all of these types of things especially other other craft uh, i mean and if craft i mean aircraft helicopters those sorts of things it's easier for them to do because they're they're operating in a in an environment where they're able to see uh, much much faster their technology is able to um, move as required. It's not them generally piloting the craft in the atmosphere. It's the craft piloting itself. Because it's conscious. Yeah, of course. Are all crafts conscious? No, no. So this is the difference um, with the Zetas um, and what isn't known about the, the, a lot of the uh, Zeta technology is that they're actually um, using uh, cellular, cellular 
genetic matter to create the craft. And one of the current technologies that's being used by them is to um, use uh, female eggs to create um, small craft. When I say small, I mean just a couple of metres across. Uh, they're just having a look to see at what is the capacity of, of their technology to blend with uh, uh, eggs, yeah, uh, so that they can produce craft that way. Uh, to me, they're looking at what's taking place 500 years from now. If they disclose their presence to us, they're going to want to share their technologies with us. In doing so, we're going to want to create craft and travel. In doing so, we're going to have to use our own genetic makeup to create our own craft because we're not going to be able to interact with their craft because we don't have the level of consciousness to do so. So if we can create our own craft that understands our consciousness, then we'll be able to pilot our craft ourselves. I'm just doing a book now on people who report um, that they they use the mind to fly the craft and they've been allowed to fly the craft. Is that part of it? Uh, how is the craft moved around? Is it is this consciousness interface? Yeah. Um, firstly, I need to first state that uh, for the amount of people that believe that they're being trained to fly craft, they're just that's just a screen memory that they're given. Uh, it would be like saying to a child, sit on, sit on you know, my lap, I'll, you can hold the steering wheel, but I'll actually be driving. So I've got my hands on the wheel, but, the, you know, whatever. So you're teaching the, you know, I mean, when I say a child, I mean, not a, not a you know, an 18 year old or anything. You know? uh, and probably in the past, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that's how you did teach someone to drive, you know, like jump on, drive around, all these sorts of things. When you're on a craft, uh, it may look like you're piloting the craft and that you're actually in control. But think about it. I mean, you've got a craft that can move that fast, has the capacity to um, slam into the planet's surface. They're not necessarily going to give you control over this craft when their lives are at stake, but they do realise that humans like to... Uh, Put hands on. Hands, yeah, that's it. Hands on. So it's not, and so that's one way to do it. There is training that you can be given in regards to working with craft, but you won't be allowed to connect to the craft initially consciously because you don't have the capacity to do that. There's all these wonderful stories about people connecting with craft. When I was on a craft, and I've been on craft with Cyan as well, so this is very interesting. They were trying to teach me how to uh, make the craft go forwards, backwards, and sideways, but I had to use ma uh, manual controls to do it. I wasn't allowed to interface with the craft at all. And to be honest, uh, that I didn't crash this thing was a miracle. Uh, I, I just couldn't, even after half an hour of uh, their technology is a bit different. So if you're on the console, you'll be sliding your fingers down, uh, up and sideways. But the problem is you're not anymore in a three-dimensional uh, cognitive space. 
you're in a multi-dimensional reality and and inside the craft while you're trying to do this you're inside a heightened level of frequency so trying to just even do these three actions it requires a lot of concentration and the your mind keeps forgetting what you're supposed to be doing so to tell me that i'm now going to pilot a craft uh, and embed my consciousness with that craft I, i just I just don't see how that would even be possible and not, you know, even with training, but I know. But, that is, people... but is there a conscious, is that how they do it with consciousness or is it like yeah. a propulsion with an engine that's, it is a consciousness inter- interface. Like you, you hear the story and let me give you one other example. There, there's the story that um, they have a craft. This is in this document that was leaked and they think it can fly, which would tend to indicate they've got an intact craft that they can't turn on. Yeah. They're missing some sort of consciousness interface. The other thing is that people have reported, and the ATIP people even reported these videos of UFOs going at very high speed and going right into the ocean, and just like as if there's nothing there, which brings up the question of if, if we're going to crash the saucer, uh, the question has always puzzled me is how do you fly across the galaxy and, and then get here and then crash or have little pieces fall off the flying saucer? How do you explain crashes then? Yeah, so the craft are designed to move at uh, specific frequencies. And so when they're compressed uh, and then they're made to fly at the frequency of the Schumann frequency, which is, I think it's 7.84, the craft actually, and I know this is difficult to understand, but the craft actually become unstable. And the slower that they're meant to go, unless they're actually descending, this is different, if they're descending, it's not a problem because they know that there's a specific trajectory that they're going to be working on. But if they're trying to move or, or navigate at that speed, it's very, very difficult. And this is why often craft do crash at the slower speeds. They're not designed to do that. But yes, the craft are conscious beings and they are able to navigate uh, outside of the earth. They're able to navigate. And the only thing I really know about this is they're able to do it on what are classed as um, energy rails. And they said to us once, can you imagine um, uh, material? So material threads running, running this way, material threads running that way. We can move in any direction on these threads. And that is what powers the craft. It's like a zero point energy that they're able to access. Uh, one, one last question. I'll go back to Walter. Uh, so if the people are having screen images, how do you know that you were, why were they teaching you to fly the craft? I mean, why were they teaching you these simple maneuvers? Uh, because uh, we had asked that um, we be allowed to bring a drone in, uh, a drone craft that had no physical containers on it. So just as you have, humans have drones, they have drones as well that aren't populated by anybody. And we brought a drone in and hovered it above the house and we took a picture of it. It was at night. Uh, It's really, really super difficult to see. Unfortunately, Um, it's like a triangular drone craft. Cyan saw it as well. Uh, The thing was we actually had some friends around the next day and we knew where the craft was. Now, the craft, even though it would have been, I don't know, maybe half a kilometre or a kilometre up, Right, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it still had um, like um, a tether 
to, to the ground, which was interesting. And we didn't tell anybody where it was, and they went walking around, and they found it, and they nearly fell into the pool because the, the frequency that they moved into, they became disorientated. So that's the reason why uh, I was shown just how to do some rudimentary uh, manual controls, but to do, the, do it consciously. So here's the other thing. Like you could put on a holographic headset, your mind has the capacity to be able to link into a, a craft. If you know how to do the rudimentary controls, you can move those controls with your consciousness. You mentioned we brought in a drone. Can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by we brought in? We we bought we bought in a drone. Well, like how do you, how did you do that? I mean, I, I'm not following what what you're actually doing. Uh, so, uh, speak to the Zetas uh, about that and ask them, ask them and say. Is it possible for us to have a uh, a drone? Okay. A craft? Uh, just like when the craft landed and all the people were there, that took two weeks to organise. Now, the first thing people say is, we need for you to repeat that. We want evidence. Yeah. Uh, that's up to them. I'm not here to then say to them, oh, you have to bring a craft because the humans are demanding evidence. It's the Zetas who choose, notice this, they choose who they disclose to. They choose who they show craft to. If they choose to work with somebody and they choose to land and show themselves to other people, that's their choice. They're in control of what's going on with their disclosure process. You were talking about... Um craft and compression and low speeds. I assume you're familiar with the Roswell 1947 incident of the, of the craft that uh, crashed just outside of uh, Corona, New Mexico. Supposedly, according to whether it be mythology or not, it was a Zeta craft. Uh, the particulars don't really concern me. Uh, there is reports that there was lightning in the area but what can what i thought was interesting was the fact that it seemed like there was a a cause uh, electrical disturbance in the in the air that was part of the issue and that there may have been a gifting of this craft to us two questions one are we talking about the same zeta beings number one and number two any comments on the gifting and the uh, lightning disturbances and uh, slow speeds of craft. The craft wasn't a gift. And the beings that were taken off that craft, uh, you can choose to stay with your container or you can leave. Um, one chose to stay and um, try to communicate. The craft still is being back engineered and some of the technologies that have been back engineered um, are now used by humans, but there's a lot of technologies that are unknown 
I just want to go back to some a point that Grant made that they have a craft, but they don't know how to activate the craft. They have tried. They actually had a, two sisters that were psychics that they put into the craft, into the, into the pilot's positions. I think that they actually died. I'm not sure. But that's because you, the first thing that's going to take place is your own local consciousness will be scrambled if you haven't been trained. So to try to interface with a craft would be very, very difficult. Um, that's probably all I really will say about that Roswell incident. The, the idea, though, that they will introduce craft for our visual purposes, this seems to be an accelerating thing. Now, it's difficult yeah. to quantify how much extraterrestrial contact we are having now as opposed to 10 or 15 or 20 years ago because yeah. there was less reporting then there's more reporting now there's more false reporting who knows it's difficult to quantify that but is it on the right track to say that they're at least from the the zeta standpoint that we're getting increased communication not only through you but through other means uh absolutely and um we were told nine months ago that because humans had now started to um, report on mainstream media about disclosure and some of the technology that was being seen and some of the military footage that was now uh, on mainstream media, that it was creating an um, increased level of uh, expansion in the astral. Because of that, any type of frequencies that are existing on the planet to suppress humans' ability to understand that their own environment is being uh, minimised. This then allows for more craft to be seen as they're um, in the atmosphere. Can I, can I ask a question about when, whenever you would talk in America about um, greys, you're going to hear the number for number one thing is the idea of Bill, Bud Hopkins intruders. Uh, people are frightened. They don't have a big, very good bedside manner. Uh, there's this fear. Uh, they should just leave. Why are they interfering? What, what do you say to Bud Hopkins? I'd say to Bud that he's a hybrid. I'd say that they work with their own that if you take your child to the doctor for a needle, that they're probably not going to want that. Um, can they improve their bedside manner? Yes, absolutely. Uh, are they interacting with humans in a way that uh, humans are cognizant and are happy about that contact? No. Do they uh, choose the correct imagery to provide a human on contact? No, and I'll give you an example. I was in a house with uh, five, four other people and um, they were all sitting on a couch facing me. I was standing up talking. And they all stopped speaking and they looked around me and they said, Paul, you need to turn around and see what's standing in the doorway. So I turned around and there was a being that looked like a being called Pan, um, about seven feet tall, crouching in the doorway. Now, they had 
seen this being first. I, I hadn't seen it at all, and I had to turn around to see it. It was daytime at lunchtime. All the blinds were open. Uh, the room was full of light, and we could easily see this physical being manifested in the room. So five of us were seeing it. Um, the people in the house were terrified, but I wasn't. Um, I don't know why. And I walked over and I said, you need to leave, and it disappeared. It was only years later that we found out from the Zetas that they had actually come and were wanting to talk to us, but I didn't know them. And what they had done was taken an image out of one of the people's minds of what they believed was to be an innocuous uh, image. In doing so, when they then um, materialised or showed themselves to the rest of the people, they showed themselves with the wrong image. So quite often, as I said earlier on, they'll use images out of your mind that they believe that you will accept. What we've found is that there's a phenomenon that takes place with the physical body on contact. So when they come into the house or the room, even if you know them, for a split second, there'll be a sense of fear because the physical body has no way to understand what contact is. And so when they come and you do not know them, then, of course, that physical fear response is going to continue on. Now, if you happen to be one of the beings that uh, is part of their race or another extraterrestrial race, and you've incarnated here as a human, then, of course, you're going to be visited by the race that you incarnated from. You see, this is the real question. People are all talking about extraterrestrial contact, but the real question is, where did you come from before you were born? And if you knew that you came from a race, then contact makes sense. But because people all believe that they're from, say, spirit realm, uh, and, you know, God bless spirits, uh, because of that, then, of course, all these other beings have to be demonic entities because there's no way that anybody's from another planet. But if you understand that you may be a consciousness that's living in a symbiotic relationship with a spirit person in a physical container, then it makes sense that you have contact. And it also makes sense that the way that you respond to them when they come uh, probably is uncomfortable for you in the beginning. And the other uh, thing that people bring up with greys is, of course, the $64,000 question about hybrids. So how do you respond to that? That's what people will all say. It's all, it's all about a hybrid program. Yeah, well, hybridization is um, all the fad at the moment, basically. Uh, you know, suppose, supposedly human containers being taken and, and replicated and placed back on the planet and, or, you know, human containers uh, genetically modified with extraterrestrial technology. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. This is because of the way that the races actually grant. Uh, honestly, these conversations, they are very, very big conversations. If we talk about how do the Zetas uh, incarnate? So we'll talk about humans. Humans supposedly finish transition to spirit realm, 
If they choose to not go back to the oversoul, they come back into the physical form via the gestation process, mum and dad. What diseases do is they've got their own container and as the containers start to fade or, you know, become older, they simply maturate a new container and they move their consciousness into the new container. There's no requirement for spirit realm to exist for them because they have their own process of incarnating from one container to the next. When people go on craft, and, and when you're on a craft, you will see it, there'll be multiple containers along the walls generally. You'll also see human containers as well. Now, those human containers, they're not humans. They're just maturated human forms that they will use, populate consciousness, walk around the planet for a very, very short time. I think it's only about two hours or something. It's not even, it's not very long. That they can actually animate these human forms because they want to interact with humans. They want to find out about humans, you know, even, you know, hysterically, it could even be that they all went shopping or something and didn't even know what money meant. It was they were trying to give out the colour of money or something. So when people have gone on board craft, and many, many people have, they'll see all these containers and they'll think, oh, wow, there's a hybridization process taking place for the planet. It's not that at all. It's just that the way that they are visiting this planet and also the methods that they use for uh, moving from one form to the next. Now, here's another thing that we need to talk about. When a craft goes from point A to point B, rather than wasting your time, whether it be five or six months on a craft as a, as a, a person or a container or an extraterrestrial, they'll just put into the the drone craft, the containers in stasis, fly where they need to go, whether it's through portals or whatever they need to do, because there are multiple methods of doing that. And then when the craft arrives, they just populate the consciousness of the container. They haven't wasted six months of the time like a human would go into Mars, however long that takes. They've got to go in their physical form with their consciousness. Imagine if we could send our cloned bodies on craft to Mars, and when they get there, we animate that form with our own consciousness. Uh, one last question, I'll go back to Walter. Can you define consciousness for me? And is the world made out of consciousness? Is consciousness primary? Or how does, how does this all fit into this overall thing yeah. that we're looking at here? Yeah, nobody can define consciousness. There are no human words that can define consciousness. You can talk about consciousness and you can uh, discuss facets of consciousness, but nobody can actually say this is consciousness. The only way that we can understand consciousness is if we understand ourselves. And when we understand ourselves, then we understand consciousness, but we do not then have the words to correctly identify consciousness. And sorry, what was your second question? No, it was just this sort of overall um, thing about is is this a prime is this the primary sort of thing that we need to understand because ufology you know today is nuts and bolts people are yeah. they're into the nuts and bolts thing and you and I and Walter were we keep bringing up this word consciousness so I wanted you to sort of link it in how important this is to the UFO mystery. Okay, it's everything. It's everything. You you need to uh, understand that the reason why we are being contacted is because of our behavior. 
Now, people go, oh, what's that supposed to mean? You know, our behaviour. Are you talking about wars? No, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the fact that we alerted these beings to our presence many, many years ago without even realising that we did it. We started to transmit radio signals. And as our technology developed, we started to use phone technology and towers. And all of this information then left the planet and then started to you know, go out into other regions of space. These beings perceive this to be a pollution, a pollution of uh, energy. And, and so for them, they, they're looking and they're going, well, if they're doing that back then and this stuff's just reaching us, you know, 40 years later or whatever it is, or 50 years later, what's the potential for them to actually create a lot of pollution? So they've come in craft, had a look, studied our technology, looked at their nuclear weapons, all of these sorts of things, and they've extrapolated out what the disaster quota is going to be for humans who are now wanting to fly to Mars and all the rest of it. And what's going to happen in 100 years? It's not just about now. It's what's going to happen in the future. So from an extraterrestrial perspective, they've looked at what's going to happen in the future and they've decided to uh, work with the human race via the hybrid process, which is consciousness, which is the symbiotic relationship between humans and them, so that when the development of technology is taking place, rather than it all be based around the destruction of things, it's more about propulsion systems, travel, stasis, um, the capacity for humans to exist outside of their normal uh, human biosphere on the planet. Uh, Paul, you, and I want to quote something that, uh, that uh, came through the, the Zetas. And it talks about spirit realm and a new concept to me and the idea that there is another choice after physical death. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to call that what they call the gateway. And, and here's yeah. the quote. You may choose rather than enter the original point of entry of spirit realm to yeah. enter into the second mm -hmm. sphere called the gateway. It would seem that you transition from this physical state to the temporal etheric realm as a temporary transition state yeah. and move outside that sphere of understanding depending on your initial state of transition. Yeah. of the energy body prior to incarnation of the being that you are. This determines where you are to transition. So there's two pieces to this. One, there apparently is a choice to enter the from the physical human body's death, corporeal death, into the spirit realm or to another realm. And secondly, yeah. a lot of that is predetermined, not only pre-birth, but by what being you were when you incarnate here. Yeah. Did I get that correctly? Yeah, you did. So if you're from spirit realm and you're, just spirit, and you're, and you're a spirit person, you know, uh, then of course you will transition back to spirit realm. Now, spirit realm is seen as a technology by extraterrestrials. Mm. I know that everybody believes that spirit realm covers the infinite universe. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that concept. I'm not going to outline what they all are now. So if a person who's a spirit incarnated into a human form 
chooses to uh, not go back to spirit realm, then they need a second choice. The second choice is that they can join into an extraterrestrial race. But to do so, the person would need to, prior to transition, 100% fully be aware of where they want to go. If there's any specific doubts whatsoever about the transition process, they won't be allowed to enter the uh, gateway. Inside the gateway are nine nexus points. Those nexus points are related to the specific races, and those races are on the Council of Nine. Uh, the other issue with the gateway is that it's for hybrids as well. So people would say, well, why does a hybrid need a gateway? Can't they just on death, spirit goes back to spirit realm, hybrid just automatically goes back to their own body and stasis? <clears throat> yes, but what if the uh, hybrid had decided that it wanted to bring back its experience back to the collective mind of the, uh, the Zeta race? So what they've done is, is that the hybrid can bring back their experience. They'll move through the nexus within the gateway and be held in a transitional zone or point or technology. And they'll be filtered because what they don't want is for the human experience to come into the hive mind of the race with uh, anything that would cause dysfunction for either the individual entity itself or for the, the mind of the race. So you can, if you're a hybrid, like many people are, and you choose to then go through the second gateway and not transition at all to spirit realm, uh, or you wish to bring back your own experiences, then you'll need to go into a transition process. Your container will be prepared your consciousness will be prepared. There'll be a reanimation of the container that you exist in. You will not have any of the emotions associated with your experiences. If you ever were in a fist fight as a human, you won't, you'll have the experience of that, but you won't have the cognitive, emotional attachment to that experience. You'll be able to share that from a mind-to-mind -mind experience with other beings in the collective but there will be no emotional infiltration for the hive mind. I have a question for Cyan. Did you start your physical mediumship and in particular your connection with the, the Zeta race before or after you and Paul got together? Oh, before. <laughs> Long before, when I was in my late teens, uh, very much in England, I started sitting for um, spirit work. What has changed since you've known Paul? Um, <laughs> um, well, obviously, um, knowing Paul, I've, I've had a lot of answers to all of my, um, what people would call abduction experiences, that I no longer refer to abduction experiences. Um, I started working, the Zetas had already made themselves known to me before I met Paul. Um, they've been, I've been having experiences with them since I was at least four and a half years old um, or throughout my early childhood, a bit of a, a gap during my teens. 
And then into my mid-20s, they, they made themselves very much known again in the um, circle that I would sit with for my spirit work. Um, I, I found um, that I needed answers. Nobody I knew could answer anything. And I was on an online forum with Robin Foy and all those. It was hosted yeah. by Robin Foy, that's right. And uh, Paul had a, a discussion group on that. And I was, uh, you know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to be brave and ask, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to sound like I was going crazy. But, you know, when you've got seven people all saying that they, they're seeing the beings from communion uh, transfigured over you and you're sitting when you're expecting yeah. a spirit person, you kind of feel like you're going a bit crazy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I, I sort of needed answers and, and Paul was the only person who was able to answer the questions and give me answers that I could actually understand through my, what, what I'd been experiencing myself. So it's all very well and good to quote chapter and verse, but when somebody actually gives you information that you haven't told anybody, yet they, they tell you what you're experiencing, you know, you know, it kind of evidences for you that, okay, like I need to sit up and pay attention to this now, you know. My sisters aren't all going crazy. Something actually might be going on. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. Um, we work with hundreds of people and quite often uh, we do what's called point of origin sittings for people so that they actually know where they come from. Uh, the Zetas will come through and accurately describe where the person has originated from. Uh those people generally already have an idea where they're from. But the Zetas will say, when you were on craft, this, this, and this happened to you. Now, I don't know anything about that person. But the Zetas are able to accurately describe what happened mm. to that person on craft. We met on craft when we were both eight years old. Now, look at my face. Look at Cyan's face. Look at the age difference. We were both eight years old on a craft at the same time. Yeah. Can I ask, Cyan, what would you say to someone? Because you're going to get a lot of people who are had your experience. I met the Greys at three or four or this. Or what? When someone comes to you, what what do you say to get them going in the right direction? It would depend what direction they want to go in. Really. Well, they just want answers like you. Like if they they're saying, well. You know, you you've gone through this. What's actually going on? So what would you say to someone who's got repeated experiences with greys and has no clue and is terrified and thinks they're going crazy? What, what do you first say to them? Well, we we work with a with a lot of people who are going through those experiences and who are seeking to understand what's happening around them. And we spend a lot of time talking with people Um trying to give them a, a wider framework to understand their experiences, just like we've been talking about experiences here with you this morning. Yeah. Um, we've, like you've alluded to, we've got a lot of information that people can, can read and simply through just reading and understanding, people um, find a sense of... More calm. There can be more calm about what's what. Yeah, it, it normalizes what's going on for them. Um, it it doesn't take that fear away, 
that that fear is horrendous um, when you don't have any training or understanding of, of what's going on. You know, the, the first few experiences I had with them, you know, it, it took me a long, long time to digest and get over that that fear. You know, you you hear people saying they, they've not been out of sleep for weeks after they've had, yeah. you know, the beings come into their room. I totally understand that fear, you know, and even after 15 years of, of um agree working with them in a mutual way with mutual consent to work with them i still feel um that fear when they that when they first make themselves uh, known in physically in, in in my space but as paul said with understanding and training you can then overcome that that fear and it very quickly uh, dissipates well we're coming up on a little over an hour um and uh, this is always usually a good time to kind of uh, shut things down. Uh, we'd love to do a part two with you. Uh, this, this will be going up on my YouTube channel. Uh, uh, Desta Barnaby will be taking care of uh, producing it on Grant's. Uh, anything that you'd like to uh, finish with, Grant? Um, let me get one of my key questions in here. Um, you and I are both uh, big fans of Bashar. So let me ask Paul, what do you think about Bashar in terms of what he says and, uh, and, and what, you, what, what your take on what is going on? Uh, I think that I've looked at some of Bashar's stuff and I was interested in what was being said. Uh, anything that uh, increases people's love for each other and kindness and compassion uh, I'm there for. I really like that. Um, I would prefer to listen to Bashar than some of the things that involve uh, stories about reptilians um, <clears throat> and a whole lot of other stuff that's supposedly going on on the planet, which is just mind-boggling. I just hasn't happened to me. I haven't had those experiences. So uh, if it's true, then yeah, it's quite disturbing. Uh, I think maybe we should talk about some other things like Skinwalker Ranch next time. Oh, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let, let me just throw in one last question because you brought up the reptilians because uh, the a lot of the stories you'll hear, it's not just greys. And they talk, talk about the small greys, the, the tall greys. And then people say there's reptilians there and there's mantids there all at the same time. Do the greys work together with other beings or are they solo? Okay, so if we, if we want to understand the social construct of a race, we have to understand that races don't work in isolation. Where the misnomer is, is that the Zetas are specifically uh, told what to do by another race. That's actually incorrect. Where the issue is with the race is it's like humanity. So it's like humanity's holding uh, one specific country responsible for the... Um, behavior of the whole planet. So with the, the gray uh, species, the 63 races, only 62 of them are part of the hive process. One specific race of the grays are known as the abductors. Now they do work with other beings. Um, I've also seen reptilians working with uh, the Zetas as well, but in a training capacity. So it's, 
imagine this planet. A craft comes, they see all the humans eating meat, uh, killing all the animals that they can on the planet and doing and decimating the place. Would you then try to hold yourself to a higher level of behaviour when you are watching what the uh, inhabitants of a planet are doing? Well, thankfully, most of the races are doing that. I would suggest that there are some beings that uh, are coming here in craft that are specifically doing experimentation on different cattle and those sorts types of things. Um, why they continue to do that is, is, is un, unknown to, to me at this point. Um, but I would absolutely suggest that having met many of the different types of beings, uh, and met, I've met mantis beings as well, and I've met reptilian, I've met the greys, that encounter wasn't a very fun encounter. I came away from that with a blood nose uh, just because of the physical pressure of the encounter. Um, that these races stand in their own space. If you try to tell them what to do, uh, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, people say that the greys, you know, the overlords of the greys, the mantis and this and all those. Remember that a lot of the contact that people are having is screen memory contact. And if a reptilian can put into your mind that you're being abducted by a grey, that you're actually not being abducted by the grey, then they totally wipe off the responsibility for them as, as a race that they're doing it to you. So it's a deflection method that are used via screen memories. By the way, the extraterrestrials aren't the, aren't the only ones that use screen memories. Uh, the technology of this planet actually has the capacity to uh, not allow you to remember where you're from. So if you're from spirit realm and then you come here, the Schumann frequency then negates your ability to remember generally, negates the ability for you to remember where you're from and all of the memories that you had previous to incarnation. Wow. Have you, have you got a link for people that might want to contact you? Your, your stuff is, is coming out, your new book. I mean, your stuff on Amazon, but have you got a link where people might have questions to send to you? Or... Yeah. So but just so that uh, people are aware, we actually sell no books on Amazon, okay? If there's books up on the internet, uh, that's because people have just taken them and uploaded them and are selling them and making money from them. The primer of the Zeta race is free. The Zeta interviews is free. Uh, uh, other work that William does is free as well. We send all of our books out uh, digitally and we put your name in the book as a personalization for you. Uh, people can go to the-zeta-connection.com and on there is everything, blog posts, video links, um, our shop that sells other books, the, the uh, Zeta Mind. The Zeta Mind is being written by me because I believe that people need to understand how to contact races safely. And if you don't know how to contact a race safely, you can expect to get into trouble. It's just the same as if somebody grabbed a Ouija board or whatever and then tried to contact spirits. You have no idea what you're calling into your space and you've got no idea how to get rid of it. So... I wrote that book specifically just as a, as a guide 
for people to learn how to um, uh, contact races but via their own consciousness processes under their own terms. We are trying desperately to make the economics and the logistics work for Paul and Cyan to come to the Americas. Again, he's from Australia. Come over to North America and to uh, do a series of sittings and workshops. He works differently than most physical mediums in that uh, he likes to have a sitting where there is a discussion with the Zeta race and also to have a workshop that backs up that and adds more information or clarification or even a workshop prior to a sitting so that there can be some idea of what's going to happen and uh, how the best to, to perceive it. So everybody give us a, a finger cross that uh, we can make that happen. We're getting a lot closer, guys. I haven't been able to update you because of several reasons. But And That's as okay. far as the healings go, I'd like to thank you. You, you guys uh, cleared me of a, a rather nasty uh, attachment that I had that um, uh, was a very horrifying experience. But I want to thank you for that. Tell the Zetas that I appreciate their interference. And Grant, unless you've got something else, no. we can call it a wrap. See if Desta's got a question, maybe. Yeah, Desta. I don't, but it was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, just I've, I've got a question for you, Grant. You, I've been told that you've read the um, uh, Zeta Mind book. Is that correct? Yes. Did you try out any of the procedures in the book to for contact? No, I haven't. I, I contact really has never really interested me in terms of. Um, I, I was called the circus. I had my my very close encounters in 1975. And then um, nobody really seemed to be interested. And so then all I'm really interested in is the sort of the what's really going on here? Uh, what's the message? Uh, I've, I've never really been, but, but I, 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 may, I may try it. I've, I've, I've always sort of stayed away from me being, uh, trying to be the center of the, the thing or trying to have the contact. I'm, I'm interested. I, I firmly believe that people who have contact like you I always say that you cannot solve the UFO problem until you talk to the people who are interacting with the intelligence. You're insane if you think you're going to find figure it out by watching stuff fly around in the sky. So I, I do confirm, but I, I spend my life looking for people like you who have the contact and then asking questions and comparing notes with other people and trying to figure out what's actually going on. That Because when I saw it, I, 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 I saw the object and I, I was just so floored that I didn't know what was going on, but I said, somebody in this world's got to know what's going on. So that's why people like you very much interest me because uh, I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to uh, talk to people who I do think have contact and that's they're the most important people. Yeah, we don't have all the answers. Uh, no. Nobody does. And that's the best part about it is we uh, obviously take it seriously. The training is difficult and um, uh, we are giving our knowledge of, Way as uh, best as we can uh, and as freely as we can as well. De Desta is actually the one that will be the contact. She does a lot of that, um, trying to contact, and um, so we'll we'll see if we'll I'll talk to her about that, and we'll we'll go from there. But I, it's been an absolute joy to to talk to you, and uh, thank you for sharing the knowledge. And definitely, let's do this again, and uh, we'll we'll get into more, and I'll read some more of your stuff, and uh, 
we'll have some more questions. Okay, thank you very much for having us. That's great. And, you know, Paul, if there's no mystery, there's no fun. And if there's no fun, why do it? Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Appreciate it. Desta, thank you. Paul. Thank you for setting Diane. it up, Walter. Oh, thanks, and, Walter. Yes, you're welcome, guys. It was my pleasure. And uh, at this point, we'll shut it off. Good evening. Okay. Have a good, have a good, have a good day. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.